Hey everybody, it's Eric Torenberg, co-founder, partner of Village Global, a network-driven venture firm. And this is Venture Stories, a podcast covering topics relating to tech and business with world-leading experts. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Venture Stories by Village Global. I'm here today joined by a very special guest, Nathan Chang. Nathan is the program director of OnDeck Longevity Biotech, and we're here to talk about the new program and more broadly, the past, present, and future of longevity. Uh, Nathan, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Eric. Always happy to be you know, talking about uh, longevity and uh, super excited to share what we're building uh, with the fellowship program at OnDeck. Awesome. So, so just, just to zoom out, why don't you tell us a, a bit of background and of, of how you got involved in the space? I'm also the founder of longevity market cap newsletter, which is basically a once a week sort of roundup of, you know, developments in the longevity space. I also have a website called Longevity List, which is a place where people can find jobs and companies and investors in longevity. I also have a, a podcast, which is the uh, Longevity Biotech Show. And um, also have this, uh, you know, forum, longevity-based forum, which is kind of like a open stack exchange for aging biology and longevity biotech. To answer your question uh, about how I got involved in this space, I could actually come from a bit of a non-traditional background. So I, I started off actually in physics. I was um, two years into a PhD program, and I had this sort of existential crisis. You know, the typical, uh, what's the point of doing anything? You know, what's the meaning of life? And sort of wrestling with the ephemeral nature of life, I guess. And uh, I actually ended up dropping out of my PhD program. And um, after that, I, I just went backpacking around the world for about one and a half years. I uh, ended up working in Australia. I spent a couple of years in China working there too. Uh, I did some internet marketing, I got into crypto, uh, just you know, did a lot of random stuff, but you know, ended up making a huge circle without really figuring out uh, the answers to my questions. A couple of years ago, I, I realized that I, I already knew about um, you know, sort of like the, the anti-aging space. Like I knew about Aubrey de Grey and uh, for some time and his ideas around, you know, aging being basically an accumulation of damage that could be repaired. I thought it was a cool idea, but I, I never really thought that I could do something about it. I, I figured that was, you know, something that other people would, would work on. But um, there was a time uh, a couple of years ago that I watched uh, a YouTube video where Laura Deming um, was talking about how lots of capital was flowing into the longevity space uh, compared to you know years before, but uh, that there wasn't enough founders. So you know naturally I thought to myself, aha, she's talking to me. I'll be you know a biotech founder in the longevity space. But uh, of course I, I didn't actually have a background in biology. Um, I, I never even took high school biology. So I thought, okay, maybe I'll do something about this. So. Uh, I ended up taking some, you know, online courses on biology and uh, just learning more about uh, the space, reading some more books. And then I guess last year I started uh, the Longevity Market Cap newsletter. And this was actually just uh, a way for myself to learn about the space, just figure out what uh, all the different companies were and uh, like the different approaches that they were taking to, you know, tackling uh, the problem of aging. And um, so the newsletter actually started off really slowly at first, but then sort of took off, you know, it was doubling. Uh, the subscriber count was doubling like, like every, 
every seven to eight weeks. And um, at some point I realized, hey, this is, this is actually something. And uh, maybe uh, the way that I can use um, you know, my efforts right now or direct my efforts would be not to you know, build a single biotech company uh, you know, by myself, even though you know, I'm thinking about this in the future, but uh, actually maybe the, the correct thing to do right now is to try and convince maybe a hundred people to start longevity biotech companies. So this has been like really my sort of mission that I've taken upon myself just to, you know, spread awareness about the space and get more people involved, either like building companies or joining them or uh, investing in, you know, longevity biotech companies. That's awesome. Um, can you give a bit of background on the history of longevity and, and, and where we are now? Yeah, sure, sure. So um, I guess you could say that the science of aging that, you know, maybe started in the modern era was probably, um, yeah, it's probably started in the 1930s. So um, uh, Clive McKay um, did a couple of experiments in rats where it would uh, calorically restrict the rats. So basically, you know, feed them a lot less than normal. And um, they actually found that that, you know, extended their lifespan by about like 33%. And uh, more importantly, they found that also the, the rats that were calorically restricted, you know, were just more youthful. They had, uh, they suffered less from sort of age-related diseases than, you know, the, the control rats. So, so that was a really interesting um, sort of observation. But um, I guess you, you could fast forward the next sort of like breakthrough in the science of aging would be uh, by uh, Cynthia Kenyon in 1993. So um, uh, Cynthia was uh, doing work on uh, C. elegans, which is a type of worm. And um, she was extending kind of some of the previous work by uh, Thomas Johnson. And she found that there was a single mutation in these, you know, in these worms that could actually double its lifespan. And of course, you know, this was sensational and uh, it sparked sort of like an intensive study into the molecular genetics of aging. So another sort of breakthrough happened in 2005 by uh, Tom Rando when he was at uh, Stanford. And uh, basically they were doing these experiments in uh, heterochronic parabiosis. So basically they would sort of like surgically attach two mice together, you know, one old and one young. And what they found was actually that the blood from the young mice had rejuvenating effects on the old mice. And um, so there's a lot of work uh, being done on this sort of approach for you know, anti-aging right now. Uh, another cool thing that happened was maybe in 2006, uh, Shinya Yamanaka, you know, he found um, a set of four genes that when activated could actually return a cell, like an old cell back to its uh, young embryonic state. And uh, this is called induced pluripotency. And it basically sort of uh, set off the stem cell revolution and also, you know, is uh, the approach that a lot of the cellular reprogramming or epigenetic reprogramming startups in the anti-aging field are sort of pursuing right now. Uh, What's the state of the stem cell revolution, by the way? Yeah. So the stem cell revolution is still very much in progress. Back in the 2000s, there was a lot of hype in, you know, about stem cells and uh, just their uh, ability maybe, or the potential to, to be used in uh, tissue engineering and uh, lab grown organs, that kind of stuff. Um, and, and this was even before the discovery of induced pluripotency. But um, today uh, there's still, you know, a lot of challenges that need to be overcome. 
uh, before we can, you know, sort of attain that holy grail of regenerative medicine with stem cells. So um, some of these challenges include like um, just being able to differentiate these uh, cells into the right sort of cell types and um, also uh, like vascularization of engineered tissues and uh, the creation of like the, the 3D scaffolds that, um, that are needed to grow engineered tissues. Uh, these are all things that people are working on. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic about uh, the use of stem cells and for, for like tissue engineering in the longevity industry in the future. So um, other than stem cells, I guess uh, in, in 2009, there was another big, big breakthrough. So um, some uh, groups were able to um, demonstrate that a simple drug uh, called rapamycin uh, was able to increase the lifespan of mice by about 15%. And um, this result has been replicated many times. It's, it's very robust. Um, and uh, now people like uh, Matt Caberline at uh, the University of Washington is, you know, using this drug in a small study for, for dogs. It's called the uh, Dog Aging Project. And basically they're trying to see if, yeah, maybe this drug also works uh, to extend lifespan in dogs. So that's really exciting. And then I guess the more most recent sort of breakthrough in the science of uh, longevity and maybe the translational um, science for some of these therapeutics uh, that came in, I guess, 2016. So scientists at the Mayo Clinic at the Van Dersen Lab were basically able to show that the clearance of senescent cells could modulate aging. Senescent cells are basically these zombie cells that uh, lose the ability to divide, but uh, they end up secreting these like sort of inflammatory factors um, that are sort of pro-aging. And um, so uh, in this experiment, they removed the senescent cells, the, these naturally occurring uh, senescent cells, and they found that uh, in, in mice, when you remove these cells, they, they live, you know, somewhere between 27% to, you know, like 40% longer. The treated mice also had like uh, a more youthful experience, uh, appearance, and um, the tissues of the treated mice were just younger. Um, the mice had like delayed cataract formation, and uh, so this was... Uh, like a huge breakthrough. And, um, uh, you know, the result actually ended up launching like over, you know, two dozen companies that were also, you know, looking into this space of um, removing senescent cells. So, so this is a very hot space in the longevity biotech sector. So, um, so that's sort of the history, but um, so where are we now? I would say uh, there's a bunch of different companies trying different approaches to modulating uh, aging in humans. So trying to develop different therapies to, to um, you know, treat aging. But uh, we have a bunch of different clinical trials in progress, about like 40 different trials, I would say, um, for, you know, therapies that target aging in some sort of way. Uh, we're basically waiting for the first success in humans, like a, a proof of concept in humans, like uh, the first zero to one. And, and once we achieve that, I think, this space will really, really take off. Totally. Uh, thanks for that. Thanks for the overview. Uh, zooming out a bit, what are some of the bigger misconceptions people have about longevity and 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 life extension more broadly? Uh, yeah. So that's a good question. There are so many. So um, first of all, uh, the one thing that most people don't know about the longevity biotech industry is that it even exists at all. 
Um, it's very much a, a new frontier, like a, a nascent field, you know, both in the science and the, the biotechnology. I think people don't really know, you know, they're not aware that there are over, you know, 100 biotech companies developing therapies that target aging. Um, people don't know that, you know, there are drugs uh, being developed in the context of aging um, that are actually in clinical trials uh, uh, as we speak, right? Um, there's about maybe 40 different uh, clinical trials uh, underway. So that's one thing. But uh, I think the number one sort of misconception that, that holds back progress in the field would be that um, there's this myth that uh, extending lifespan uh, will result in extending the time spent in sort of like an old, frail, decrepit state. So, you know, when people see older people, uh, you know, decline in health from like 50 years, you know, to 90 years old, uh, they assume that therapies that extend lifespan will just extrapolate that trend so that, you know, when you, when you go from like 100 to 120, you'll just be even more old and even more frail. But uh, actually, the whole point of the longevity biotechnology industry is to increase lifespan and health span uh, by targeting the aging process itself. Um, we're basically, we're trying to make people biologically younger uh, for longer, which will translate into less suffering from age-related diseases and uh, extend lifespan. Um, so uh, another myth, actually, that we should address is that um, that uh, aging and age-related diseases, such as like you know Alzheimer's disease, cardiovascular disease, and, and a lot of cancers, are something separate from aging. When actually, in fact, the diseases of aging are uh, are aging, right? They're they're late life manifestations of the biological process of aging. And um, so, a lot of people will tell me, "Hey, we shouldn't be focusing on uh, on aging. We should probably focus on curing cancer or Alzheimer's first, right?" And uh, I, I like to tell them, "Well, actually, you know, in the longevity industry, we're, we're we are doing exactly that. We're just trying to target." Um, these diseases uh, or treat these diseases at like a, a place higher upstream, right? At the root cause, which is, which is aging because, you know, a lot of these diseases like, you know, Alzheimer's disease, cardiovascular disease, the, the risk factor goes up exponentially uh, as you age. So, um, uh, so this sort of leads us to the GERO science hypothesis, which is basically that, you know, a single therapeutic uh, intervention working on some pathway of aging uh, might possibly treat multiple different diseases of aging. And, and this is like a very, very powerful sort of way to, to address, you know, these, these sort of outstanding issues in health and, you know, age-related disease. But um, I think last but not least, uh, a major conception, misconception is that uh, extending healthy human lifespan is somehow uh, morally wrong or, or, or whatever, because it's unnatural. And uh, I get this one a lot on Twitter. And um, for that, I, I just say, you know, we've actually already doubled human lifespan once in history, right, by developing technologies like antibiotics and sanitation. And nobody objects to those interventions today, or so those, those inventions today. And um, so I think people should really see you know, see anti-aging therapies as something that is like a, a preventative medicine. And I think everybody can get on board for that. Um, but, you know, 
other than those major, uh, you know, misconception, there's a, there's a bunch of other like small sort of, you know, uh, niggling sort of objections that a, a lot of people will say that, you know, that are easily, you know, dismissed. But like, you know, for instance, a lot of people will say, oh, you know, if we extend lifespan, then uh, we'll end up having, you know, overpopulation, which uh, I don't think is true. Actually, underpopulation is the bigger threat. Most wealthy countries already are below replacement rates in terms of fertility. And, you know, when developing uh, countries eventually become more wealthy, I, I think that trend will also hold true. There's other like other crazy sort of misconceptions that, oh, you know, longevity uh, and extended lifespans will make dictators immortal. And of course, that's not true. Longevity and immortality are not the same thing at all. You can still, you know, be hit by a bus, you know, that that's not, um, you know, longevity therapeutics don't don't uh, don't change that uh, risk or whatever. And, uh, you know, authoritarian regimes already exist. So there, there's already ways for, you know, dictators to somewhat be immortal. So, so that's not like a good objection to developing longevity therapeutics. And then of course there's like crazy, you know, objections like, oh, life extension will doom people to, you know, boredom, which, which is just like completely insane. I mean, all of these problems are very superficial compared to like the sheer scale and size of the problem of biological aging, right? There's, there's just so much suffering involved with, um, you know, age-related disease. So, um, yeah, I mean, just, just to summarize, I guess um, the big misconceptions are, uh, well, we need more people to be aware that um, the longevity biotech industry exists. We need more people to be aware that, you know, rejuvenation therapies extend lifespan by, you know, increasing healthy lifespan, not the, the sick span. We need more people to be aware that uh, age-related diseases like, you know, Alzheimer's disease, uh, cardiovascular disease, and many cancers are actually manifestations of aging. So they are aging. And uh, we could potentially treat all of them at once by treating, you know, aging as the root cause. And, um, and of course, last, we, we need more people to realize that longevity is not just some weird fringe thing. It's, you know, something everybody can get, get behind. And uh, if you believe that uh, developing therapies that prevent disease is a good thing, then you'll love longevity, you know, you totally, you know, support the cause. Yeah. What are some of the, the big, uh, the big challenges in, in or roadblocks in the space right now? Okay. Yeah. So definitely the biggest challenge in the industry is lack of founders. Um, so there's been a lot of new capital flowing into this space, uh, but we still have a huge bottleneck, which is, you know, lack of founders. And um, so, you know, uh, in recent time, uh, just a couple months ago, like Michael Grev at Kazoo Technology Capital, you know, he announced that um, they would be investing $350 million into, you know, rejuvenation startups, you know, Google and, uh, you know, their, their anti-aging sort of subsidiary Calico has teamed up with AbbVie, which is a big pharma giant. And uh, they've, you know, invested billions of dollars into this space. Um, you know, Sergey Young has a $100 million longevity vision fund. Aubrey de Grey has been dropping some massive hints about a certain, you know, very well-known someone who's about to get involved in funding this industry. Uh, it's pretty obvious who he's talking about. But um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of money coming into this space. Uh, but it, I, I don't think it can be uh, absorbed by, you know, just the existing companies. So you'll, you'll often see VC firms that actually, you know, have to build a company 
around like uh, an asset or like a, an academic researcher uh, because yeah, there's just you know not enough companies to invest in. So we really need more founders. And you know, Laura Deming talks about this, and everybody else knows uh, who's in this industry knows that yeah, the big bottleneck is is founders. And um, so so what can you do about that? I mean, wh- why are there so few founders? Um, well, as we talked about before, I think you know that not a lot of people know that the longevity biotech industry exists. So just raising awareness about that, I think, would really help. But um, but aside from that, there's also sort of like a big misconception that you need to have like a traditional biotech background to get involved in the longevity industry. And I, I don't think that's true at all. In fact, like empirically speaking, many of the key leaders in you know our field did not come from biotech or even had like a formal biology training. So um, so some examples. Uh, so Ben Kamins, he's the founder of Spring Discovery. Um, so which, which does, uh, develops um, longevity drugs using AI and machine learning. Who else is there? There's Matt Scholes, who is the uh, co-founder of Oishin Biotechnologies. Um, who else is there? Uh, Reason, he's a co-founder at Repair Biotechnologies. We have Joe Betz-Lacroix, who is the founder of Retro Bioscience. And uh, even Aubrey de Grey himself, you know, did not come from a formal bio biology training, and he's sort of like the founder of this field, right? So yeah, you definitely don't need formal biology biology training to to get involved. You can always learn, you know. Uh, and of course, you know now's a great time to be able to to learn on your own a lot of this stuff. But uh, other than that, like uh, I think there's also a misconception that you need a PhD to start like a, a biotech company. So you know great example uh, that, that this not, that's not true is uh, Celine, right? Celine Halua of Loyal, which is like one of the most interesting uh, longevity startups. Basically, they're trying to reverse aging in dogs first and then translate to humans. So, so that's super exciting. Some other challenges in the field, in, in our industry at least, is that, um, you know, just in general, biotech is, is really hard. So, uh, it often requires a lot of deep expertise to navigate, you know, the science, the, the technical aspects, the business development. And also there's, you know, a large part, which is, you know, regulatory. And I think that's, uh, you know, to solve this problem, you, ne- you need to pair more founders with, um, you know, experienced mentors. So, so people from, you know, the pharma industry who have like very deep, you know, long experience in, you know, uh, drug discovery and, you know, the regulatory aspects of, of uh, biotech. Um, you need to power, pair founders with, you know, VCs, you know, the space and uh, also other founders, like other experienced founders. I think that's, that's really what's necessary because a lot of this stuff, you can't really learn on your own. People aren't really, you know, writing about uh, how to build biotech companies, I think. Totally. That makes a lot of sense. The, um, so why don't we segue a little bit to the On Deck Longevity Biotech Fellowship? What uh, what, what sort of the details and 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 what will people get out of it? And 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 what types of people do they have to be in the industry or outside of the industry? Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, sure. So the On Deck uh, Longevity Biotech Fellowship has a very simple mission, and and that's to increase the number of people working to build longevity biotech companies. Um, so. 
There's a lot of people who are interested in longevity, but uh, may hesitate to get involved because uh, either they don't know how to get involved or they feel like they don't have the right experience to make an impact. And um, on top of that, like we talked about before, biotech is just is just hard. Uh, there's not as much information out there on, on how to build a biotech startup. So the goal for the on-deck Longevity Biotech Fellowship is to make it as easy as possible for people to come build biotech companies in longevity. And uh, once they are part of the fellowship community, we will support them throughout their entire journey in building the future of longevity. Okay, um, so how does this work? How are we going to do it? Uh, uh, the Longevity Biotech Fellowship basically take in the most talented people looking to build longevity biotech startups as well as uh, a number of people looking to join or, or invest in longevity companies. And uh, we put them all together in a community of peers and uh, expert mentors. So the fellowship runs all year long and uh, it combines talks uh, from world-class speakers from industry and academia. We'll have uh, tactical workshops on you know, biotech entrepreneurship, uh, networking and social events, mastermind groups. Uh, we'll have uh, pitch competitions, curated connections with uh, investors, and uh, office hours with mentors, uh, including experienced, you know, longevity founders, seasoned pharma veterans, uh, venture capitalists, and um, top researchers in longevity. So I'm, I'm really excited about the fellowship community that we're building, and I can't wait to see what kind of companies and connections uh, are formed from it. Um, I guess Looking long-term, uh, we ultimately, we want the on-deck biotech, um, longevity biotech fellowship to be the go-to place for, you know, people who want to connect and, and build incredible companies together in a community that is laser focused on, on longevity. What's the, what's the, why now? Yeah. Good question. I mean, generally speaking, uh, I think now is the right time to get involved in longevity because, you know, investors in society are just beginning to wake up to this idea that we can intervene in aging. Um, the science is definitely ready for translation, right? There, most of the discoveries that we discussed earlier in the history of longevity, you know, those those occurred maybe like 10 to 20 years ago. And so, so there's just been enough time for, you know, these different approaches to work through the labs and finally get to private industry to, to be, you know, translated in clinical trials. So, so yeah, definitely the science is ready. Also, just in general, the growth opportunity in this sector will be just uh, tremendous, especially in this, you know, coming decade. You know, the need is definitely there. World populations are getting older. The healthcare burden from age-related diseases uh, is probably going to, you know, increase significantly uh, throughout the coming decades. So um, I think working on longevity is really just kind of like one of the highest leverage things you can do right now. And uh, obviously reversing aging is, is probably the biggest idea in, in all in medicine, like in all of history, like it totally changes um, the, the paradigm on life, you know, itself. And um, as we said before, there's a lot of capital flowing into the space, which is, you know, which is great for founders, but we, we, what we really need is just more people uh, making the jump to, you know, join this industry, start companies, you know, uh, join uh, longevity biotech startups. And um, so there's like a really urgent need for something like, you know, the on-deck on longevity biotech fellowship. Um, nothing like it really exists. So you know, that's why I joined to, you know, create something that can just really 
increase the number of people working to build these companies. I love that. And I, I think it, it it works a lot with just the broader uh, on-deck mission and, and ecosystem um, a, 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 as well. Why don't we talk about the the future? What's uh, where, where do you see where do you see longevity going? What are some upcoming milestones, or, or what can we uh, what can we expect? So I think the biggest change that we'll see in the next few years is that longevity will become sort of like mainstream. Uh, you already see this starting to happen. So interest in this space is rapidly accelerating. Uh, it's not just from investors, but also you know from governments uh, who see you know the demographic issue with aging populations but also just like broader society, you know, uh, people are popularizing this idea and eventually it's just going to take on, you know, it's just going to sort of accelerate. So, but uh, more broadly, I think we're definitely going to see more clinical trials of, you know, uh, anti-aging drugs over the next, I guess, five plus years. Uh, currently, there's only like maybe 40 clinical trials. Um, some are more related to aging than not, but um we have like a hundred different companies in this space and they're all basically trying to bring a, a therapy that targets aging to the clinic. So a lot of these companies will eventually get to that point. And so we'll just see like an explosion in clinical trials for uh, the anti-aging space. I think because of that, there's a good chance that the first anti-aging drug will be approved uh, in this decade. It, it's really just a matter of taking enough uh, shots on goal and eventually one will be successful. And uh, I think when we get to that point, sort of like the first zero to one for an anti-aging drug, I think that will just totally shift the paradigm in society and, and things will really, really take off in uh, the longevity space. Some other things uh, that we can look forward to, definitely uh, the first uh, trial with aging as the clinical endpoint. I think that's definitely going to be completed this decade. So Near Barzilai at uh, Albert Einstein College of Medicine is uh, in the process of getting the TAME trial off and running, which is basically, you know, this trial that will, will try to measure the effect, the anti-aging effect of metformin. And um, yeah, the clinical trial is designed to actually basically uh, measure uh, aging. And uh, so that's their clinical endpoint. And hopefully we'll see the results of that in the next uh, few years. And um, I think we'll likely find out whether uh, some of these key approaches to, you know, long, developing longevity therapeutics will work in humans. Some of the, the things we talked about, like uh, senolytics, which is, you know, the removal of senescent cells. There's a bunch of companies in that space and, you know, there are already clinical trials for senolytics. Uh, so we'll probably find out whether this works in humans very soon. Other things like parabiosis, so the, the young blood or, or, you know, neutral blood dilution sort of approach. I think these are all uh, this, you know, that approach is going to be tested eventually in uh, clinical trials very soon. And uh, we'll see if that works. Um, I'm really excited about that. Uh, cellular reprogramming is really hot. That, I think that will take a bit longer. But um, yeah, uh, there's a bunch of startups working on this right now. And uh, there's also a, an interesting trial uh, by Greg Fahey at Intervene, in, sorry, Intervene Immune, which is basically trying to regenerate the thymus to, you know, reverse immune senescence. And, uh, uh, you know, they're already in clinical trials. And I, I'm really excited to see if, if that works out. Well, it definitely seems to be able to reverse 
uh, epigenetic age as measured by, by certain, you know, DNA methylation clocks. So that's, um, you know, it's really promising. But um, yeah, also like more broadly in terms of different modalities that are starting to become popular, just like in biotech uh, in general, uh, I think cell and gene therapies are definitely going to play a bigger role in longevity as well. There's, you know, companies in this space, but, um, you know, there's not that many FDA approved uh, therapies for cell uh, therapies or, or gene therapies, but, um, you know, the successes are starting to grow and there's, there's definitely a uh, sort of um, appeal to gene therapies because, you know, it's, it's more of like an information based approach to medicine. And you'll see that with like MRNA therapies and, you know, CRISPR and some other things like that. So um, that's really exciting. And I think uh, another uh, interesting area of longevity therapeutics um, that, you know, will take a bit longer to fully come to fruition, but are are definitely super promising is uh, the idea of like regenerative medicine and and tissue engineering. So uh, there are a bunch of different companies working on, you know, lab grown organs uh, or, or xenotransplantation. So definitely check out like eGenesis, which is like a, um, like a George Church lab spin out that's trying to, um, I, I guess, grow uh, organs from uh, pigs, but like genetically alter them so that they can be used for transplantation in humans. I also want to bring attention to Jean Hebert's uh, work. So he's a professor at you know, Albert Einstein College of Medicine, and he has his own sort of startup project which is basically trying to reverse aging in the brain by uh, progressively replacing uh, neural tissue. And uh, I think this is just incredible um, because, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, the different ways uh, that the brain ages. You don't need to even know why it ages. You're, you're just essentially replacing the tissue with, with young, undamaged tissue. And um, yeah, I think this is pretty much the defining bioengineering project of our time. So definitely check out. Uh, Jean Hebert's work. So these are all like really interesting, you know, approaches and different timelines uh, for the future of uh, longevity therapeutics. Um, But, you know, it's hard to say exactly when all of this, when all of these technologies will come together and, uh, you know, be approved for use in humans. Um, Yeah, it's it's difficult to predict. But uh, when people ask me when we will develop, you know, robust anti-aging therapies, I, I always say, I'm not sure. Um, But what I do know for sure is that it will happen one day eventually and that it will happen faster if we get more people working on the problem. And I've basically devoted most of my time thinking about this problem, you know, just getting more people involved. So, um, yeah, I I think it's a really exciting time to be working on the problem of biological aging. And I I would definitely encourage anyone who wants to, um, you know, work in uh, a world changing, sort of super revolutionary, uh, high impact field to, to consider, you know, getting involved in longevity. Yeah. And, and, and one thing I also want to make sure we get across this podcast, you were talking earlier about how Laura Deming had this call for founders. And, and one of the things she talked about is, is a founder that her and, and, and I have also have, have backed, uh, Ben Caymans, who, uh, who was the, um, you know, CTO of Khan Academy and was, was not sort of, um, uh, was new to the space and learned the space. And then started a company and, and, and Spring Discovery and it's doing quite well. And which is all to say that, you know, it, it's for people who are outside of the space as well. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, uh, or talk more about 
you know, why that transition shouldn't be as scary as it might seem? Yeah, yeah. I, so we, yeah, we talked about uh, Ben Caymans and some other people who came from like non-traditional backgrounds and, and founded incredible companies in the longevity space. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely think that uh, people perhaps self-select themselves out of the founder pool by by saying, oh, I, I can't do it because, you know, I don't have the, the correct background. But I, I don't think that's, you know, necessarily a, a huge impediment. Like, uh, it's definitely possible to learn the biology. Others have done it before. Definitely check out Matt Schulz's interview on the Longevity Biotech Show podcast, where he talks about, you know, how he started, you know, from physics and, com- and computer science and just like, you know, read lots of papers, talked to a lot of people, and uh, eventually, you know, started a, a couple different biotech companies and and uh, it, some in the longevity space, Wishing um, Biotechnologies. So, um, yeah, th- it's definitely possible. And it's uh, as long as you are passionate about this industry, then I don't think there's any, like, you know, reason why you can't learn the prerequisite knowledge and, I guess, connect with the right people to, you know, sort of mentor you along, tell you, you know, what to look for, sort of, um, you know, different sort of uh, mentorship tips for for starting um, biotech companies. And, um, you know, I, I think we're developing, you know, this uh, fellowship at Ondex specifically so that we can take people who, you know, come from non-traditional backgrounds who are really passionate about this field, who, who want to make, you know, who want to start sort of, you know, these, these innovative longevity companies. We want to, you know, target these people and tell them, yes, you know, you can start a company like this. Others have done it before. Uh, as long as you have the talent uh, and you have the motivation, um, then we definitely want you to come and apply and, you know, be part of this community. We're, we're definitely going to try and make it as easy as possible for you to, you know, get up to speed on, you know, biotech, biotechnology with, uh, with all the great mentors who have, you know, signed on board with our fellowship. And uh, I, I think it's going to be really great. Awesome. Uh, it's a great place to, to close. Nathan, thank you so much for, for, for coming on the podcast. Uh, where can we point people to? Yeah, sure. Just, uh, I guess, follow me on, on Twitter. That's probably the best way to get in touch. My Twitter handle is RealNathanChang. Awesome. And people can check out uh, www.beyonddeck and find the, the longevity program uh, there. Great, Nathan. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. If you're an early stage entrepreneur, we'd love to hear from you. Check us out at villageglobal.vc.